Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. If you have your Bibles, would you please remain standing with me just a few more moments. Psalm 85. Psalm 85. I want to dive into a, a new thought, a, a theological perspective that's very unique to me, specifically to Pentecostals. And I want to share it with you today and make it the anthem of our church. Would you take the Word of God and hold the Scriptures close to your heart, Heavenly Father? In the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, to help me pay attention. Arrest my attention, Heavenly Father, and help me focus on the Word and receive it and hear it. Not look around pretending like it belongs to somebody else, but let me feast on it as if it's the bread for my soul. Would you stretch your hands toward me, Heavenly Father, and anoint me to preach. Let your face and glory shine on me. Help me say it just right. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Psalm 85, Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sins. You've taken away all of your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry forever with us? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Will you not revive us again? We have this word revival. It's a, it's a word that we've overused and used in ways that are not biblically accurate so that it becomes merely a way of advertising. But it is a word that has been prevalent in Christianity, even in the Old Testament where this idea of drifting away and coming back to God is a theme constantly rehearsed in Scripture. Whether it be the fall of Adam, but the birth of Noah, this calling of Abraham, this wandering in the wilderness, the promised land experience, the drifting away, but God gives the judges, the birth of kings and the rebellion thereof, but God sends David, then he sends prophets and then raises up his son, Jesus Christ. And all of these moments throughout the Bible are shown in confrontation to a backsliding moment of God's people. There is in modern Christianity a very small group, a growing number of us, but a small group nevertheless of what we call revivalists. People who believe that church cannot be built upon a program, a concept, or an idea. That church is not a well-rehearsed mission statement. That what you have to have is the presence of God in the house. 
And when it's noised abroad that Jesus is in the house, immediately a crowd gathers. We don't ask for God to do something normal. We're asking God to do something extraordinary, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. We're of the spirit of John Wesley, who started the camp meeting revivals, standing out in the brush arbors of the mountains of the Appalachians and calling on God's name until thousands would come into those brush arbors and be sanctified with the power of God. We're in the spirit of D.L. Moody who thundered away the glory of the cross. Oh, I remember the stories of Duncan Campbell in that great revival. Woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Went out of his house in prayer and travail only to see that everyone was coming out of their house all over the neighborhood. He made his way through the town seeing people come out onto their porches, calling on God's name, falling on their knees in prayer. Went to the jail and there was a long line of people waiting to get into the jail. He stopped one of them and said, what are you doing? Particularly dangerous young man, he said, I can't tell you why I'm here. All I know is that for some reason everything I've done wrong was brought to my attention. And it fell on me with such heaviness that I came here to turn myself in. Can you imagine the kind of revival where the crack house has to close? Where the places of pornographic material has to close? Where people who are trading in in sex trades will have to close their operation because people are falling on their knees in the glorious repentance that God can bring. I want the kind of revival where when they drive by the church they can feel the power of God because there's a pouring out of his presence. There's a glory encounter. There's something that God is doing. And some of you used to be revivalists. Now you've become survivalist. You're just trying to pay bills and get retired and go on vacation and find a church that will fit your little palette of of wants and you don't know what to say and you don't really care to read anymore. But I want to go back to that young you, that lost you, that one that didn't know how to get a prayer through. But you heard God's name and you came down to an old-fashioned altar. Somebody help me talk about it. I want to resurrect your first love. And leads you to a place of revival. A place where everything realigns to that passionate child that fell in love with God. One more time. One more time. Acts chapter 3, it describes revival this way. It says throughout the scriptures, in times and in stories, God would send seasons of refreshing. A time where the the soul was restored. And I believe that revival is an invasion of our time with Kairos time. That we have things laid out in chronological order the way they're supposed to go. But all of a sudden, heaven's time invades our time. So what should have took 10 years takes 10 minutes. What should have cost us a lot of money gets provided with one phone call. 
what, what, what should have been a 12-step program sobered daddy up in an altar call when we laid our hands on him. What should have been a program initiated that took years to formulate all of a sudden baptized the whole place in the power of the Holy Ghost and 3,000 souls were added to the church. Somebody help me talk about it. I believe that God can suddenly save them to the uttermost. I still believe that one touch from the master's hand and they'll rip the roof off the place to get into the house of God. Let it be noised abroad that Jesus is in the house. They'll say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'm supposed to go through chemotherapy. I know I have to go back to the doctor. I know that I have to get all of this taken care of. But if I could just get a hold of Jesus, I know this cancer can fall off of my body. I know the spirit of God can raise me up. I know a God that can heal my marriage. I know a God who can provide for my finances. I know a God who can cast the devil out of my baby. I know a God that can run the devil out of my business. I know a God who can come down in a moment and make everything different. I want revival. I want revival. I want revival. Let it be, oh God. Let it be, oh God. Revival is water on a dry and thirsty ground. I think of the days of Elijah when there was a great drought and water had not fallen from the sky in years. You see, the dilemma with a lot of us is we're not thirsty. You're satiated with what the world offers. It doesn't satisfy your soul, but it makes you have a sugar high so that you're at least enjoying the moment while you diminish day by day in unhealth and unholy. You're hungry, but you're not starving because you're still eating from the pig troughs of the city. And the culture of this world is still providing for you the food of the pigs. You live your life bloated on the culture of this world, satisfied with pop psychology and cheap little bumper sticker ideas that cannot change your life. But if you want to have revival, it doesn't come to a people who are satisfied. It doesn't come to a people who've already found what they're looking for. It doesn't come to a people who are satiating themselves at the banquet table of hell. No, the, the revival comes to somebody who's been in a desert, in a dry and thirsty land, and they say, Heavenly Father, one more time, let rain fall on my life. Is anybody thirsty today? Is there a longing in your heart as the deer pants for the water brooks? Your soul longs after God. Is there somebody hungry today? You're tired of eating what the world offers, but inside your heart you've heard the noise abroad that there's bread in Bethlehem. I've got good news for you. I've been on a mountain, and I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, and I hear the abundance of rain coming. I know my Redeemer lives, and I know there's bread in the kingdom of God that can satisfy the soul of your life. There's a river that flows from his throne and the bride says come and the spirit says come whosoever will let him come and drink of the water of life freely send us revival one more time oh God shake the foundations of our lives can you remember when you used to fast and pray 
Can you remember when you fell in the altars and repented of your sins because your heart was broken over what you used to be? Can you remember when you lifted up your hands with passion and praise saying, God, if I don't hear from you, my life will not make sense to me. Oh, church, return to your first love and let God hear your voice one more time. Let God's glory fill this tabernacle one more time. Solomon described revival through the testimony of his father. He made this bold statement in the book of Psalm. He said, remember, David, how he would not rest until he built a habitation for God. You see, revival is when we reorient our lives around the presence of the Lord. Not only is revival an invasion of God's time and our time. Not only is revival water in a dry and thirsty land. Revival is when we reorient our lives away from the school. Away from the bank account. Away from everything that distracts us. I'm not saying we no longer do those things. We just no longer use those things to measure who we are. So that even when we're at work, he's still working on me. Even when I can't see him, he's working. Even when I can't feel him, he's working. When I'm going down the road, he's still working on me. I may be headed to work, but I'm headed to glory. I might be coming home to eat, but I'm headed to the banquet table of God. I may be just trying to go on a little vacation, but I'm having a little talk with Jesus because my life is not centered on where I am, but rather on who he is. We struggle so hard in the modern church to host everybody but God. We worry about the music. We worry about the sound. We worry about the air conditioning. We worry about the parking lot. We spend a lot of money to make people comfortable. But oh, I want to build a church where our primary concern is not whether or not people are comfortable. Our primary concern is, Father, are you comfortable? I want to assemble a group of people who are desperate for the glory. I know there's a lot of pressure on pastors now to build churches based on programs and cute little ideas and social connections and finding their BFF for life. But those people will drive you crazy after about five years because you can't be the answer to their life. I didn't save you. I didn't die for you. There's nothing this church can do as an institution or as a religious organization to fix you. But if he comes down, he can fix everything. He can put it all back together again. He can take pieces that are busted and broken that you've lost and you didn't even know could be found. And he'll put that thing back together again and he'll restore you not to the bottom shelf. He'll take you all the way to the top shelf. You know, I think of, of my brother. Lived for the devil too many years. Then he gets back into the Christian walk. God gives him a business. God gives him friends. He's living at Big Canoe in a log cabin. And he gave him Linda. We still can't figure out how he got her. 
I mean, the favor of God on his life. Why? God didn't take my brother when he came in and repented and came home to God and say, you know what? You don't deserve great things anymore. You only deserve to be the outcast. You, you know, it was like you know, he, was, he was that one that was no longer satisfied. No, I don't want to pick food anymore. Even slaves in my father's house eat better than me. I'll go back to my father's house. And when he came down the road, God met him. He saw him coming. He said, get the banquet table ready. My son's coming home. He didn't restore him to bottom shelf. He took him to the top shelf. He said, what the devil meant for evil, I meant for good. All things will work together for the good to them that love the Lord, to them that are thee called according to his purpose. Somebody help me. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you think you can finish in the flesh what God started in the spirit? No, not in the great Buford Church of God here in this house, not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. We rest on the authority of God and we ask God in the name of Jesus to let a revival fall. Hallelujah! One more time, oh God, pour out your Spirit on all flesh. I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. How do I know? Well, you're the first generation in the history of earth to know exactly how the mark of the beast is going to work. The mark of the beast is not on the planet yet. The Antichrist has not been revealed. Calm down. He will not be revealed until that which restrains is removed. What is that which restrains? This isn't his house till we're not in it. But as long as we're here, that's why hell hates us. Because everything he wants to do, Christians put a stop to it. Somebody talk to me. Everything the devil wants to try, the church stands against it. And we interfere with all his plans. And we will continue to interfere with his plans. But the Bible says that when you get close to the second coming... You'll start seeing wars and rumors of wars. You'll see pestilence and earthquakes. You'll see all kinds of dangerous things. Lift up your head at that moment. But the Bible also says that in the last days, what? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. There's going to be babies raised up in our families with more boldness and more courage and more ability than we've ever thought we could have. I'm not trying to outshine my children. I want them to outrun me because they're a generation of rapture. They're a generation of revival in the name of Jesus. Yeah, I feel it in my heart that these are the last days. Somebody said, well, how do you know God's going to come back in, in such a short time? I said, let me ask you a question. What if he doesn't? How long do you give us? You name one thing in this world you still trust. I don't trust anything. You can show me where it is. I don't trust anything I see on TV. I don't trust the government. <laughs> I don't trust the stock market. I don't trust the referees. Talk to me, church. I mean, there comes a moment we're fed up with it. There's nothing left in this world. It, we're so close, you can feel it. I was at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. 
And while I had my hand on that wall, everybody else was speaking other languages, so I was just speaking in tongues, just fitting in. So while I was praying at the Wailing Wall, they had the call of Muslim worship just echo across that place. And you could feel the demonic tension. I'm praying in the spirit. The Jews are praying in the flesh. They haven't committed their life to Christ. Don't Christianize them. They're the children of God, and God's going to restore them. But they're not Christian until they call on the name of Christ. And so I'm there, and they're doing that praying, but they don't have the spirit in their life. It's a religion, but it's not a relationship. There is only one way and one truth and one door to go through, and it's Jesus Christ. You can't be saved by being a Jew. You can't be saved by being Buddhist. You can't be saved by being a Muslim. There is no God in this world that can take you to heaven but the God that we serve in Bible. There's no name in under heaven whereby men can be saved except by the name of Jesus. But at that name, Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. I don't care if it's Hitler. I don't care if it's Buddha. I don't care if it's Muhammad. One day they will bow their knee to Christ. Hallelujah. I was sitting there at that wailing wall, and, and I could feel it. You could feel those two demons, just like a boxing match. And I could almost hear in the background, Are you ready to rumble? I was looking around. There was no way in. There was no announcement. But I believe there's an announcement coming. The devil's been walking around. I'm powerful. I'm beautiful. I own Hollywood. I own your education. I own the medical. I own everything in this world. Bow down to me. I own your governments. I own every issue of life. There's nothing you can do to overcome me. You might as well live the rest of your life in terror. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy your babies. I'm going to pervert them. I'm going to corrupt them. I'm going to steal their righteousness. I'm going to destroy your marriage. I'm going to ruin everything there is about you. For I am the one that has been here from the time of beginning. I corrupted Eve. I destroyed Adam in the garden. I'm the one that caused thousands to die outside the ark. I'm the one that caused the genocide with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego while everybody else was dying. I'm the one that feasted on the body and blood of Christ long before you did. I'm the one that raised up Hitler and Stalin, and I'm the one in the God of your culture now. But I can almost hear introducing all the way from heaven by way of Bethlehem known as the king of all kings he's the lord of all lords he's the fairest of 10,000 walked on water broke bread fed 5,000 hungry souls Raised the dead, cast out devils, went down into hell, came out the third day victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Somebody help me introduce Jesus Christ. We've heard the way in of the devil. We've heard the way in of the world. We've heard what they say about it all. But there's coming a day that God's going to weigh in on all of this. And he's going to make a difference. Hallelujah. 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 
Now, I'm going to make a controversial statement. I apologize. I'm not trying to say anything that will roast your rheostats. If you think differently than this, I'm not going to try and change your mind. It's just my opinion. I think COVID was cooked up in a lab. I, it don't act like a virus. It acts weird. And, and I believe that it part, and listen to me, I know this, if you're listening to me live, um, you get what you get. We're Pentecostal. So, I believe that it is partnered with a spirit of witchcraft. Too many people go crazy because of COVID. I mean, lose their sanity, their mind. Pastor, how are you saying we should react to it? Exactly what we're doing. Be smart. Talk to your doctors. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself. I'm not minimizing your reaction. I'm just telling you where I think it came from. All right? I'm not weighing in on all of whatever you're fussing about. By the way, stop fussing about it. That stuff's too petty. I'm just telling you that it seems like to me this thing is cooked up over there. And, and how it got released, I don't know. But it's, it's not normal. And I can feel witchcraft in the winds with it. You can almost sense that little virus is saddled by a demon. And when it attacks your body, if you've had COVID, you can testify that it attacks your spirit. It attacks your mind. If you've had COVID, it brings depression. It brings isolation. It brings fear. Some of you have been plagued by fear and anxiety. You've been anxious because of this thing. That is an attack from hell. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. Now, let me tell you what I think is controversial. Modern politics in America is predicated on two reactions when you know you're guilty. And it, the first reaction when you know you're guilty is not to go cover your tracks. You know what the first reaction is now in modern politics? To accuse your opponent of doing what you're doing. Ask Cuomo up there in New York. He was accusing people of doing all this stuff. Come to find out he's been doing is this news to anybody? Do y'all watch? You don't watch news anymore. Good. Stay out of it. You accuse somebody else of doing what you're doing. You do what I call a preemptive strike. When you know something's about to happen that's going to cause damage to what you're thinking and what you want, you got to get ahead of it. That's what happened with COVID. Hell knows that revival's coming. And so he sent his perverted, bastardized version of the Holy Ghost revival. Swept the whole world. Controlled the whole world. Divided the whole world. Made everybody afraid, everybody angry, everybody terrified. Brought out the worst of humanity. That was his version to try and stop what God's going to do. But I serve hell notice. That his plan doesn't stop God's plan. That in the end, the vision will speak and it shall not lie. What God's about to send on earth will be more contagious than the coronavirus.
It's going to infect more lives than COVID. It's going to spread around the world faster than the disease. It's going to infect governments and lives. It's going to change churches. It's going to, it's going to change lives because what God's going to do is greater than what the devil has tried to cook up in hell. Hallelujah. Anybody remember on aisle three at the grocery store when this thing started sneezing and the whole place emptying out? Am I the only one? I mean, you're there in the grocery store and you accidentally cough. People are grabbing their babies, running out the side doors. You are the plague itself. Well, I'm asking God. That was a counterfeit. I want to go to aisle three during the revival and people once again to be afraid I'm going to breathe on them. You think you've been afraid of the devil's breath? Hell is about to feel the breath of God. People going to grab their families. Keep your babies. They're going to start speaking in tongues. Don't let them near them. He'll call you to preach. Don't let him near you. Don't get your hands on you. You'll, you'll be handing out Bibles in Africa. You'll be moving mountains by faith. Oh, turn them babies loose. Let the glory of God fill this tabernacle. Don't you be afraid of what God is about to do. For in the last days, God the sower is going to overtake the reaper. And the former and the latter rain are going to fall together. And God will send rain on the earth. I say from the great Buford Church of God, let it come. Let them drive by the church. And feel the glory of God. May they feel his power when they come in the sanctuary. When we start to sing, let the, the heartbeat of heaven get inside their chest. And let glory fill their lives. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I feel a Holy Ghost anointing on this great church. We were not born with programs. We were not born out of education or great finances. No, sir. God gave birth to the great Buford Church of God in the fires of revival and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I say one more time, oh God, fill our altars and our lives with passion and power. Fill our spirits, Heavenly Father, with your glory. I want the Spirit of God to be poured out. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of what the devil's been doing. It's been two years of hell. Sick of it. I bind it in the name of Jesus. We've been on defense. Let's go on offense. Let's storm the gates of hell. Let, let's do what God's called us to do. In the name of Jesus. You know, we just sent Abraham and Leela to India. The Spirit of God fell all over them in this altar. Messed up the whole church service that day. Over 250 people were saved, brought into the kingdom of God over there. Lord provided miracles and provision and leadership. God's opening up doors all around the world. We're going to the Dominican. Have all these brand new churches that you're bringing into our church. And we're going to go partner with them. I'm already getting ready to go to Ukraine. They're getting the revival spirit ready over there. We just got back from Kenya. Now they're calling me, wanting me to go preach the assembly in Kenya. We're going around the world. Buford Church of God, this is our finest hour. 
If this church has ever been great, let it be said, this is our finest hour. We need to storm the gates of hell. We need to walk on water and move mountains by faith because God's about to do something extraordinary on planet Earth, and I want to be part of it. It's going to be bigger than Bitcoin. Greater than Google. (laughs) Y'all quit picking on Bud over there. Buying all this gold, got all this stuff, survival stuff we worried about. Listen to me. I bind that spirit of fear on us in the name of Jesus. And I say, Heavenly Father, we're not going to operate by what the world says or what the world puts in our life. I'm going to take care of my money. I'm going to take care of my family. But my trust is in the name of the Lord my God. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. I pray you'd be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed when you rise and blessed when you lay down at night. I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Turn his countenance towards you and be gracious to you. Make his face shine on you and give you peace. Beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.